The following is a fourth-hand production. Then he had a... It's lights out! Now you want to get nuts? Come on! Let's get nuts. You know the thing about a shark? He's got lifeless eyes. Black eyes, like a doll's eye. That's it. I've had it with this dump! We've got no food, we've got no jobs. Our pet's heads are falling off! I'll start. My name is Rod, and I like to park. And I said it before, and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Welcome to the Have You Seen This Podcast. I am your host, Ethan Wilson, here with my good friend and co-host, Jake Spencer. Heyo! This is a podcast where we suggest a movie that the other one has not seen to watch during the week, and then on the show we discuss it. The episode we are doing this week is SLC Punk, or Salt Lake City Punk, from 1998, starring Matthew Lillard, Michael A. Gorgian, Annabeth Gish, Jennifer Lean, and Jason Segal. It is a movie that takes place in the early 1980s and follows Steve-O and Heroin Bob, who are the only two dedicated punks in a conservative Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, it's a coming-of-age film of sorts, even though that they are post-college in this movie. Mm-hmm. A lot of growth happens in the like hour and 45 minutes for the main character, which is Matthew Lillard, Steve-O. Me, personally... I've seen this movie quite a few times in my lifetime, so it has like a nostalgic kind of feel to it for me. Very cool. This uh, movie is something that I watched in early high school, and it's a movie, you know, about two guys that love punk music and live in an area where they perceive that they're listening to like a fringe style of music, and uh, as a young kid who lived... Grow up in Northeast Oklahoma, uh, I felt kind of the same way, um, kind of as lame as that sounds. No, it's not um, lame at all. It just shows that you related to the movie and the story. And, uh, and like the two main characters, I didn't understand and was kind of out of touch with real life that, that uh, punk music was like a widely accepted style of music uh-huh. and super popular. And had been for a long time. And in and of myself was kind of a poser <laughs> um, with a lot of it. So, uh, Jake, how you feeling? Doing good? Yeah, yeah. How'd, uh, what'd you like? Did you like this movie? At first, I didn't. Like the first 10, 15 minutes, I was just kind of like, ugh, what am I in for with this movie? But as the character growth for Steve-O kind of kept kept going on it got a lot better for me yeah. just, I just really like the way they I really like his character development in this movie it's so good and you know <clears throat> I think you're supposed to feel the way you felt at the first of that movie yeah because you know he's very gatekeepy yeah very um, he's very uh, got a very narrow like naive outlook on like anarchy and styles of government 
yeah. and things. I mean, he's very, I mean, he could talk a lot about it, but you could tell that his, I mean, he grew up in Utah in Salt Lake City in one place. So obviously his worldview is very narrow. Yeah. Uh, he run into that a lot with people that never leave the place that they that they grew up in, grew yeah. up from, you know. So I think, yeah, at the first of the movie, you're supposed to feel like, and, 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 you know, it's this, this movie's all sort of kind of meta, like, uh, he's very self-aware the whole movie because uh-huh. obviously he breaks the fourth wall continuously. Oh yeah. Um, that's one of my favorite then, parts about this movie. And actually. then Matthew Lillard turns out is speaking the narration from him in the future, looking back on this period of his life. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, all, for all of those reasons, you know, he's, he's showing you intentionally how much of a kind of an asshole he was, um, straight out of high school through just re- recently out of college. So, um, Jake, were you, uh, were you kind of aware of this movie? Did you knew it exists before you watched it or was this like your first, first time seeing and hearing of this movie? I think you had mentioned it here and there when we were in college but I always just kind of assumed it was a skater movie or a skater punk movie just based on the title but I never looked it up I didn't I had just no idea what it was about until I watched it yeah like I know you had mentioned SLC punk on our second or third episode and we did scream because yeah. Matthew Litter is in that movie and you mentioned SLC Punk and that he was the star of it and that's that was pretty much pretty much it for me as far as what I had heard of. Yeah, and um yeah, it's not it's not a it's not a movie that I would have like pitched to watch with like, you know, the bros group or anything. It's kind of a downer. I think movie. they would have liked it though for They would have uh, yeah, I think they would have liked it. I don't um uh, it's just you know, we were always trying to watch movies that were a good time. And yeah. this movie, this movie, uh, is kind of a downer movie. But I liked it though. You know, so it would it. probably have been more of like, it was like me, Matt, and Jeff, or something, and not uh-huh. a full group watch. Because I don't know how much Jacob, previous uh, episode guest, would have enjoyed this movie. Uh, Patrick probably kind of would have liked this movie. I think he would have related to the main character a bit, uh-huh. um, being from where he's from. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's probably why we never watched it, um, in college. But, um, so what did you, uh, what did you not like about this movie? What were some problems that you had with this movie? So there's not a lot, but I tried to analyze this movie as best as I could from, I mean, obviously non-biased cause I've never seen it before and, um, try not to use any of my biases against, you know, their subculture mm-hmm. but like like because I, I only had like four things i um yeah because this i mean you grew up listening to like the christian pop punk stuff like slick shoes and stuff this is a completely different like sub yeah like section of of punk rock that's not seen really in that um area of punk i guess if you yeah. want pop rock or whatever it is it so definitely I is see... derived from this you know, anarchist punk, you know, from the eighties punk, but it's definitely not the exact same. Like, yeah, I did not like the song in the opening credits. Yeah. I mean, it, that's just, that's just a classic eighties hardcore. Punk yeah. Song. Just thrash punk. Um, it's just terrible. not super. I'm not super into that stuff either. 
I mean, there are some thrash punk songs that I do like, but I just did not like that the entire song was sex and violence, sex and the entire yeah. time. It's just like, come on, dude. Yeah, Add I mean, that's up, just, some... yeah, that's just 80s slash, yeah. or like, yeah, you know, a hardcore for you. Yeah. Um, they like to repeat a lot of things <laughs> over and over. So go ahead with the stuff that you disliked. Um, the nasty, super infected knuckles. <laughs> I knew that was going to get you. Oh my gosh! I was just like, oh, that whole scene—that whole scene is so funny. And you know, he's a real neurotic person. Yeah. Um. So this, I mean, for his character development, it's an awesome little section of the movie. Oh yeah. For all of them, you know, uh, you got him who, you know, he the reason he's got the infected knuckles is because he's a a head case, and he's got obviously got mental illness problems. He's really self-loathing. Yep. Um, so he's he's looking at himself in the mirror and getting mad. So yep. he punches he punches the mirror out, which obviously cuts his knuckles. And yeah. being a probably college-aged um, punk rocker who comes to find out has no relationship with his father, he probably doesn't have insurance to go to the doctor and get something like that stitched up and have money to pay for it. Yeah. So he didn't do anything about it because he's a punk rock guy. Why would he mess around with going and getting stitches? Well, he's also so, scared of the doctors. Yeah, and, and he's scared of the doctors. Um, so he just wrapped it up in a T-shirt, and it gets all infected with gangrene. And yeah. then what they say, they end up saying, is a, d- a disease that's named <laughs> after him. Yeah, he just invents a whole new disease because of his hand. That was yeah. hilarious. Uh, which I thought was funny because they said that he was... I also wrote this down as a in my dislike or whatever with the story is that Bob was in the quarantine for three weeks and the hair outside of his mohawk didn't grow. And then I said, <laughs> unless the hospital just gave him haircuts. I mean, yeah, otherwise I thought have, that was very you know, weird. They might've let him, gave him a razor and shaving cream to clean up his face and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for me, you said that you, you try to look at this in an unbiased light. It's very hard for me to look at it that way. Yeah. Cause I just, you know, I just really like this movie. Yeah. I see why though so good bringing it into 2020 bob being a simp to uh trish trish is her name yeah him simping to trish is kind of funny yeah but it pays off for him well you know yeah in a way there's a line later in the movie that she says bob we're going here and he said oh really and she said well i own you now and he said oh that's right i i paid i uh, sold myself to trish for like 35 bucks yeah <laughs> um <laughs> That was a hilarious line. Bob being a simp, um, that whole culture nowadays is super annoying. Simps. Oh, and, dude, seriously. When people just like say, that. yeah, I mean, speaking on that, people are like, they don't even know what that word means. They're just like, you could just be like, oh, you know, nice haircut. They'll just be like, oh, simp, you know, <laughs> or like I, I met someone who they're like, yeah, my younger brother calls me a simp for having a wife. It's just like, wait, you're a simp for just, you know, wanting a partner or even respecting women in general, you're a simp. It's just, it's pathetic, yeah. man. It's, Anyways, yeah, it's, it's toxic internet culture. Yeah. And then the part where they're tripping acid in the park. Oh yeah. Like I don't have a problem with that scene. I have a problem with them using the Terminator two like nuclear explosion footage at the end. Yeah. It's, it just kind of sticks out. It doesn't really do anything. Like she says, I can, sh- I can show you or whatever. And they go up and she just stares at him and her head is so in frame that you can barely see what's happening behind her head anyways. Yeah. So I just, I've never really enjoyed that part. Um, 
fun fact that I wrote down for later, that is actually the footage from Terminator 2. I That's said hilarious. That <laughs> when, you know, my first initial thought was like, why did they use something that looks like that for this movie? It has no place in this movie. And then it turns out it's actually the footage from that movie. And it's possible you can kind of see that scene as being kind of like subtext for what she's going to do to his life, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, he's he's sitting there, you know, in a, in a deep, you know, he's starting to deconstruct his anarchy ways. And, you know, he sees her and then everything is blowing up behind her. And, you know, she was a big major cause of him kind of realizing that he was not really on board with what he claimed to have believed or whatever, you know? Yeah, and I I really think that they could have just, I mean, that scene, they could have got that point across without having to throw the weird, nasty-looking green screen footage behind it. Yeah. That was, I mean, it's just mostly a film. It's not a critique of the movie. It's just a critique of, like, the vision of what they put in the movie. Yeah. So. Um, I had another one. It was just petty and... Uh, when he's talking, when Steve was talking to his parents in the house, and he has that big blue mohawk, that bald yeah. cap the is bald cap terrible. terrible. You could just yeah, totally it see terrible. it. I'm just like, oh come on! Like on the top part, it's fine because yeah, you can see the color change, but on the back, it's all bunching up and stuff. And I'm just like, ugh, come yeah, on! It looks, it looks really bad. And this movie, the budget on it was like, I mean, tiny, tiny, tiny. Oh, so, I, yeah. Um, I totally, and I totally get why, but I was just like, at least just smooth it out or something. Let's see. The, the budget was um, 36. That's what it made. The, the budget, like, I don't know what the budget was, but it made opening night, it made $36,000. Or opening weekend, it made $36,000. Gross for domestic, it made, and worldwide, it made just under like, a thousand like 500 bucks under three hundred thousand oh, dollars so geez. i can't imagine the 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 budget was super duper high for it do you have any more parts that you didn't like because i don't yeah i just have one more and it's just very petty about you know kind of the filmmaking style like when they then when they kind of you know they're hiding behind that pillar on the underpass and they ambush those nazis like yeah. there's one of the guys who just just had the latest reaction of getting smashed by the baseball bat like he gets hit <laughs> And he waits a half a second and then kind of like falls down and then he gets hit again and then waits a half a second. Like he's like, he's not getting hit by the bat or he's not reacting the way he should, which I mean, they probably didn't rehearse that a whole time, but they needed to rehearse it a little bit more to smooth that out a bit. So it looks cause it it stood out to me and I wasn't really looking for it so much, but that was my last of like the dislike. Yeah. So favorite parts and lines, um, Go ahead and start us off. What were some that you had? I love the fact that Bob has the most ironic nickname, Heroin Bob, and that he hates needles and he hates drugs, but that just is hilariously the nickname he's he's given. Yeah, yeah. The very first thing that you see is that black screen kind of cold open thing, uh-huh. and you just have Matthew Lillard talking about, you know, this, this, and this, and, you know, to us that these rednecks they envision America or they, they yeah. to us represent America and and stuff and then it cuts to them just the, those dudes getting out of the pickup talking about how they need to get women yeah um, and then they just jump out and smash them with lead pipes <laughs> yeah 
and run off and he said that he says that you know we're just a couple of young punks and then like the the score up to that point was kind of like your 90s like we talked about with what about bob like yeah the kind of twinkling yeah pianos and i was gonna mention that things. too it's hilarious and then and then it hard it does the hard record scratch to the punk song yeah um and then it kind of goes from there i really enjoyed that part yeah you know, and you got this big long exposition right out of the gate with him, and then um, the next the next part that really really sticks out to me is um, the and I'm going to probably jump around here a little bit. Yeah, no worries. Shooter McGavin, Christopher McDonald. Yeah, yeah Christopher McDonald and his wife or ex-wife of the movie, uh, sitting there talking to their son about going to Harvard out of high school. Yeah, um, and that whole. You know, we we really did stuff when we were there. You know, we ended that war in Vietnam. And yeah. And he said, I went to Woodstock, you know. And then Steve-O just picking apart that stuff yeah. about what he says and uh, that love failed because his parents are divorced and yeah. his mom's new age way of thinking probably played into that and her, her husband and his dad being so career-driven and um, full of himself and uh selling out they moved from you know new york to utah for yeah. nothing um and then uh he just says when he's when steve-o's leaving he says i just want to make one, one thing clear son i didn't sell out i bought in yeah i thought that was a very poignant line too i'm just like huh good point and on that scene i love after he leaves and then uh his mom is just like oh he definitely takes after you he's a son of a bitch and then he just <laughs> yeah. says Fuck you, dear. <laughs> I laughed so hard at that scene. Like, because I just did not expect that at all. <laughs> so go ahead. What were some other parts that you had? Or um, lines? So I did not know Jason Siegel was in this movie. Yeah. So I was pleasantly surprised because this is right. This is like a year before he did. He got Freaks and Geeks. Yeah. Freaks and Geeks came out in 1999. So I, he might have filmed it right after this. But I love that he was just like the super nerdy dude that that is the punk. But, you know, despite him, you know, being just like a preppy looking nerd guy, he's the most aggressive when stuff goes down. Like, yeah, he's just going to throw down and throw down hard. Yeah, he's super aggro in this movie. And it's it's hilarious. The the scene at the concert. Yes. Where he where, beats where up Bob the bouncer. Gets, Bob gets knocked out in the <laughs> thing. And he just says, uh, I got to go take care. Are we hold these? And he says uh, the German guy, which is uh, the guy who plays Hugo Stieglitz and uh, Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Um, says, "Oh, you're looking for more pain," and he says, "No, I just had to go take care of something." Yeah. And he pushes his way to the front and just kicks that security guard's yeah. ass on stage. And then at the party right afterwards, he's like apologizing, like, "You know, it's it's a punk show. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I had to give you such a beating, but it's a punk show. Most people hop on the stage, they sing a couple words, and they hop right off." Yeah. You know, you attacked my friend. I had to. I had to defend my friend. You know. And he's like. I, you know, I, I hate that I caused you any pain, but uh, and I hope you hope the rest to stay in the United States of America is a pleasant one. I, yes, he's just I, super nice to the guy <laughs> afterwards. He's just I got a huge that black eye. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. The scene in the mall where he's talking about, you know, what is punk and the punk in society and people that do it just for fashion. Yeah. And, and the difference making, between the UK punk and the American. Yeah. Punk. He's making the statement between UK punk and America or an American punk. The part where he talks about being perceived as a hick because he's from Utah. Yeah. Uh, as a high schooler or something. That's one of the parts that I like 
I was like, oh yeah, I understand that. Yeah. Um, because everything he says, he knows. He goes, I hate the rodeo. Horses smell like sh- to me. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't wear cowboy boots. I don't do this, this, and this. So I'm definitely not a hick, and I'm for sure not a redneck. I understand that because yeah. you know I'm from Northeast Oklahoma. Anywhere that I went to outside of that, they were like, you know, it's just very, oh, you guys probably take horses to work, huh? Don't you? And things oh, yeah, like there's that. all those stupid stereotype things. When I was here, when I, yeah, when I was out in California, um, when I lived out there for a bit, you know, uh, I was living with a family, and I went to to dinner with their family at another family member's house one night, and they were having a. Uh, ham and beans which uh-huh. i despise i hate it i hate ham and beans and cornbread i don't like any of it what kind of beans were they were they green beans no they're like pinto beans oh, okay. it's like it's like a you know a, yeah what they would make around the campfires in the western times and stuff it's like one of those meals uh-huh. yeah. um it's super popular around here people make it i mean it's very cheap to make and you can make yeah. a lot of it oh yeah hate it hate it hate it hate it when I sat down, you know, I was just eating cornbread. They're like, well, you don't want any ham and beans? And I said, no. They said, you're from Oklahoma, though, aren't you? You probably have this every day of the week. Oh, my gosh. And I said, no, I haven't had this in years. I hate it. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I said, I'll, I'll eat cornbread. That's fine. Um, but, yeah, don't eat. And they, they're, they're asking me if I, we had, like, running water and stuff. Like, what? come on, man. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy that, stuff that they're asking me. I, I mean, I... I got kind of a similar thing, like you know, you 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 know how pale I am, you know, being of the redhead, you know, spectrum of things, yes. and you know, moving to the Midwest and me not being tan, people were shocked that I was from California. They're like, you don't go to the beach all the time. I'm like, no. It's like, sure, I grew up, you know, I could see the ocean from where I live and kind of where I grew up, but I did not like the beach. You know, the sand was. Insert, you know, Star Wars, you know, yeah, I hate I sand. Say, you're going to get real Anakin Skywalker I, No, I'm serious. Like, I get real Anakin Skywalker about the sand. I do not like the sand. Still don't. The salt water irritates my eczema. So it's just like, why why go to the beach ever? Anyways, but yeah, so I yeah. had similar things. So him saying that little pit of the monologue in the mall scene um, was great. And also being from a place like in, in it's like a flyover state. Yeah. There is in Oklahoma City and Tulsa. There's two super great um, music scenes. There's a really great hardcore scene in Oklahoma uh-huh. City and Tulsa. There's a great, you know, emo pop punk, hip hop, like great, great music here that comes out of Tulsa, especially. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of history with Kane's Ballroom being the only, the only concert hall in the United States that's still standing that the Sex Pistols played in. Really? Like incredible, yeah, this incredible music history is in Tulsa. And, you know, he says Exhibit A, and he says, well, it's my, really my only exhibit, but I think it's pretty good. And it comes yeah. to that, that really cool concert um, show with the crowd going nuts and stuff. Yeah. It's very much like that in the local DIY scenes here with uh, local punk bands, local hardcore bands. Uh-huh. Um, so it's just good to see that kind of representation in a movie about you know, that these little perceived country towns that have actual, you know, art scenes that are uh-huh. really good and really nice and, and uh, fun to go. A lot of bands come through Tulsa just because of the Tulsa history with uh, the Tulsa Theater and Kane's Ballroom and then the DIY venues like the Vanguard mm-hmm. um, and Blackbird and stuff here. You know, it's great. Um, so seeing that in a movie similarly um, is pretty cool.
back to the movie, the MTV yeah. crib section with Mark the German. Yes. Oh my gosh. They're trying to buy marijuana from him and he's showing them all of his stuff. <laughs> and yeah. Then, uh, he, which is funny. He's like, you know, showing him, he's like, this TV has a projector, $8,000. And yeah. uh, look at this. It looks like a shiny record. It's not, it's a laser disc. Dude, you I can wrote play laser disc. <laughs> ha ha ha. In all caps. <laughs> you can play movies <laughs> on it. And, um, he shows he's even like showing him the shower shower head, head. not one two three but five different <laughs> you know things like for your for optimum comfort and i will show <laughs> each one of them to you now and bob is just falling asleep on the couch the whole time he's talking about his tv and yeah. he's like i bought this one you could buy it in black and silver and he's holding a remote he's like i bought it in black because it looks the coolest obviously yeah. like all this stuff that no one ever would care about <laughs> Uh, that scene is hilarious. He thinks Bob steals his stuff, so he pulls out the biggest revolver gun. Yeah. And is threatening Steve O and Bob with it. Shoots the couch next to Bob. Oh, gosh. Um, in the kitchen with the revolver, when he pulls it out of the thing, he tells the, the story about yeah. <laughs> how he, he got in the plane crash and it killed his family. Yeah. And he's like, so my the pilot and my dad said it would be okay. And then my sister said, oh, it looks like we're getting close. And I looked at my mom and she smiled. And that's when we hit the ground and something came through the plane and decapitated my mom. So her head was flying at me and her eyes never left. And when I came to... I could see all my family members lying around. You know, my brother's leg is over here, my sister's arm, and I could not find my father, which is which stunk because I wanted to kick him <laughs> because he lied to me about everything being okay. And he says that line like, um, he says, uh, you know, I have killed, I have killed before. Yeah, he talks about and, he killed two people in Miami. Yeah, he's like, I've killed before, and I don't say this as a threat. It's just information I want to get out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for that scene I wrote down, uh, Mark is hilarious, super excited about all this stuff, but he is super crazy. As I keep typing this, he just gets more and more unhinged. <laughs> yeah, and then they go, he, and then once they all, like, make up, they steal that car. Yeah. And they're just driving around, and then when he dumps it, he drives it into the, the lake, and he does he not, floats. him not understanding how buoyancy works in salt water. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was so sink, funny. Sink, you fool. Sink. And he <laughs> shoots the gun at it. Uh, that whole, uh, it, I mean, any scene that he's in is really good. He's making yeah. fun of, uh, Bob makes fun of his shirt at the party. And he says, what, should I wear a torn up t-shirt with maybe a picture of Ronald Reagan with a bullet uh, yeah. target on his head? Like, he's just flaming all these people in this movie. And then he just dips about three quarters of the way for the movie and no one ever sees him again. Yeah. I'll go back to Sean. Yes. Uh, at first, I was just like, why is he wearing oven mitts? It's so weird. And then I realized, oh, they're just mittens. Yeah. Cause, so, you know, being growing up on the coast of California, having those style of, like, you know, cold winter gloves were not very common. And so, yeah. like, just seeing, like, those full mittens that, you know, you, that don't have the individual fingers is – it was just weird. I'm just like, why is he wearing oven mitts? <laughs> also, so I, dealing dealing tiny stamps of acid and having no fingers uh, would be very difficult, and just mittens. Yeah, because you're having, you know, you're having to grab money and grab these these little pages of acid that you're giving to these guys. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that whole scene's great when uh, he runs through the sprinklers and the, the, just the illustration that they're making of it leaking into his skin. Yeah, 
and like foaming on his muscle tissue and yeah. stuff um, is really funny. Um, and then uh, Bob talks about going and seeing him a couple of days later, and he's just yeah. sitting out in his front yard in the cold on a chair. And he asks Bob if he's Jesus, and he says, "Why do you ask?" He said, "Because you're walking on water." <laughs> and then he he says that the devil's inside of his house, so you turn his mom into a bull. And it turns out that she's just wearing this crazy dress. Yeah, that's got these horn-looking sleeves on it. Big puffy sleeves. Yeah. And uh, he chases her with a knife, and she calls <laughs> the cops. That whole scene is pretty funny. Um, and at the time, seems very out of place. Like, oh yeah. To go all out of the way to show this one character for five, like, like a three minute scene. It's not yeah. very long. Um, just to make a, to prove a point to, to Steve-O from Bob that acid stays in your body and messes you up. Yeah. And then, and then he says, it really makes you think, doesn't it, Bob? He says, think about what, man? He goes, the chemistry is the wrong major for you. It's the wrong major <laughs> for a guy like you, Bob. <laughs> but yeah, but that whole thing definitely sets up another thing. Um, uh, character arc moment in Stevo in Stevo's person, you yeah, know, is for later on where you know he, you know he gives him like a dollar or two and turns his back on him and actually just leaves him there. Yeah, the explanation of why they had or where they got the the beer from and why they have to do it is oh, a great man. one. Um, for the longest time, so for the longest good. time, Oklahoma had similar liquor liquor laws up until uh-huh. like four years ago. It's it's been about four years. Really? Um, yeah. Um, to where you couldn't buy, you couldn't buy beer cold here. Um, high point beer cold. Uh-huh. Um, so it was only low point stuff that was cold. Uh, even at liquor stores, they couldn't keep it in refrigerators if it was high point. Really? There's a bunch of other, they couldn't sell wine and stuff in grocery stores, things like that. So to get high point at a grocery store being like where I'm, where I'm from in Northeast Oklahoma, you know, the closest, Missouri. You know, yeah, the closest place to get cold beer, high point beer, would be Missouri. Yeah, um, and that's seriously like a fifteen minute drive from to Branson. Miami. No, just or, Joplin. Like Joplin, Joplin, that's what I'm thinking of. Sorry, yeah, Branson um, is the other. Big and not even Joplin. Said. You could just go to Seneca or something. Oh, okay. Any of those places have it, and it's seriously like fifteen minutes. We didn't have to do the hour and a half thing like they were having to yeah, do. Yeah, they drove all the way to. Uh, Wyoming. Wyoming, like with my dad and stuff, he'd be like for for holidays and stuff. He'd be like, oh, "Let's go to Missouri. I'll buy High Point stuff uh, for tonight or whatever for like the guests coming over." So we would go. I would ride with him to play. I mean, I couldn't go in. I just had to sit out in the truck. Yeah, cause I was in high school, but I just ride with him to those places. But when they got there, the dude looks at him like they're. <laughs> and says, what, what the hell are you? Yeah, what are you? Not not where are you from or anything. Just what yeah. are you? <laughs> I love that interaction. And he says, Steve-O says, uh, we come from the east in search of the Messiah. We followed that star. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed at that so hard. They made it like, we have gold, frankincense, and myrrh. <laughs> yeah, and and then they he, they say that well you someone let you guys out of the 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 what is it the the hospital the mental hospital yeah and then bob says no nah, man we're just we're from england man yeah <laughs> and, and they just totally buy it yeah and he's like how was your stay hap- uh, going in america <laughs> and they're just yelling at him and then they go back to get the the beer yeah and then there's the two the two Christian people in the liquor store. Yeah. 
talking about the end times. Yeah. Um, and they say, you have a lot of devil worshipers at this part. And this guy says, well, more never. And she, she gives that big, long speech about how God's going to bring down his wrath on these places and blah, uh-huh. blah, blah, and stuff. And that they have the mark of the beast and, and whatnot. And they're all kind of just sitting there kind of laughing. And then the one guy, the, the guy in the fedora, uh-huh. uh, says, well, what about, what about the Nazis? Do you think they were kind of like de- the devil's army on earth, wouldn't you think? Yep. And that one redneck guy says, I don't see the Nazis much as devil worshipers as I see them as a gathering of people. God, if it wasn't 2020, <laughs> and if it was like four years ago when I watched this movie, I'd be like, what an insane take. And now I'm just like, what the fuck? I'm like, Ugh. Yeah, and, and Bob has the same reaction. He goes to yeah. he goes to get in the guy's face, and Steve-O stops him yeah. because he talks about. He's like, "You guys mentioned a mark, right?" And then he starts doing his little convulsing thing, and he yells, <laughs> "Father!" and he moons him, and has the <laughs> mark of the tattoo. beast on his butt. Yeah, I thought that was so funny. That definitely broke the tension because at first I was just like, "I can't believe this!" Like, this isn't even just like a movie show. People actually think like that and are public yeah. about it. It's insane. Yes. Um, and uh, then they have to run out of the liquor store because they're getting chased by that guy with the shotgun, you know. And he's in this movie, in this part of the movie, he's breaking the fourth wall and, and showing you different parts of the party. Yeah. Um, and then you know he stops the girl and says, when she's not on her mes- medication, she's a per- like a predator. Yeah. And he said, this is, uh, and she said he she has this brother who's like a doom punk hippie guy, blah blah yeah. blah. And then. The, you know, he introduces you to Mark the German and then Jason Seagal's character, the guy that takes him to the to the the liquor store in his cool car. That's a cool car. Yeah. Um, They said that, you know, he's a guy that he's not a punk. He's just a guy that really loves the ladies and he's like a ladies man. And uh, he's been beat up at times for for being gay uh, when he's not and stuff. And, and he's talking in his car about being OK with that. So he, he's uh, one of the mod Bob, guys, right? I don't know if yeah. I guess he might have been a mod. I don't know. Um, and and Bob's just not really understanding it, which is a great you know great representation of Bob. He's like, well, if if someone accused me of something that I'm not, I'd want to beat him up. Yeah, you know. Um, and and that guy says, nah, you know, it's fine. They can think what they want. It's not a big deal. And most of the time, the reason that they're so uncomfortable by me is because they're attracted to me. Uh, type of thing. <laughs> I love that line. That was good. And then, you know, during the party, the rednecks come bashing into the house. Uh-huh. And this is where where uh, Steve-O explains the fight that happens every time. It always happens, the fight. Yeah. And the explanation of the how fighting actually is, actually is a contradiction of anarchy because uh-huh. it happens every time. It's not yeah. random, which is kind of foreshadowing the end of the movie where he kind of admits to everybody that he's just a trendy poser. Yeah. Uh, I really like that part of the movie because you don't, you know, you don't think anything of it at the end. And then when Uh it happens at the end of the movie, it kind of full circle type of thing. So you have it, you have some more. Oh yeah. I've got plenty. Okay. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, you know, dominating the conversation. Dude, I'm, I'm glad you are. This is, I mean, you're, you're facilitating the good conversation. So I'll just spit out a couple real quick. Um, just we were talking about it early, but I really, really liked the way they filmed this movie with um, Matthew Lillard directly addressing the camera, not just voiceover. Like he, like it'll straight up pause and he'll just look at the camera and just explain what's going on. And I also like the fact that nobody else 
addresses the camera. Only yeah, him. yeah, yeah. He uh, even when he he's talking to the, directly to the camera in the party situation, it's like yeah. they it's like he becomes like the ghost of Christmas past. Like no yeah. one he sees him doing it. They just keep doing their normal thing um, in the party. Like he's just standing there with them. They're not noticing that he's breaking the fourth wall yeah. or talking to something, which is cooler than just freeze framing everything. Yeah. Because that and, would have got really old with how much he does it. And on that note, when he's at Jen's party, where you know where he catches what Sandy, um, yeah, and and also talks to the dude, they have a little debate about anarchy. But when he's talking to Jen, he just has a quick look at the camera, like Jim from The Office. It's hilarious. <laughs> like, um, that's one of the. He doesn't do it a ton in that movie, where like he does a brief pause from interacting with someone, looks at the camera, and then continues in interacting with them like it yeah. didn't happen a ton but i like and that one it's very natural it feels like it's very natural for him matthew lillard as a character to yeah. do it. like you know some people break the fourth wall and it's kind of like a record scratch like a, a wonder uh-huh. i bet you're wondering how i got here type of thing yeah it kind of pulls not, you out a bit it's not like that at all i mean he's turning around and talking to people and then you and then the people or and then you and it's very natural and it doesn't like it's not jarring yeah and it flows so well yeah. I also wrote um, about halfway through the movie, I realized Bob kind of sounds like Dana Carvey's character in Wayne's World, Garth. Kind of the way he <laughs> yeah. talks is a little bit, it kind of reminds me of like a, come on, man. Or yeah. I can't do a good impression because, you know, I'm not that great at it. <laughs> Garth, I'm going to be Frank. Can I still be Garth? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like the scene where, you know, he's walking home after Trish takes Bob away. Yeah. And he's walking home and his dad pulls up in the Porsche. In a sweet Porsche. And then, you know, he's just sitting in the Porsche with his dad and he's just kind of roasting his dad about his <laughs> beliefs and yeah. and how he doesn't want to, like, he's not the same and all this stuff. And it just reminds me of, like, when me and my dad sit down and talk about, like, politics or anything. Uh-huh. And how I like to rib my dad about a lot of stuff. I just like to, I like to poke at him about things and... And he, you know, to his credit, he most of the time fires things back at me and does the same thing. I can see uh, that. Until he gets overly frustrated with me and then he, he stops. But <laughs> just like with Steve-O and his dad in this movie, it doesn't affect their relationship at all. Yeah. Um, they both have an understanding that they can think differently. And that's the way me and my dad are. We disagree on a lot of things, but like I could go eat a meal with my dad. No problem. That's cool. So I really like that scene because it's another one. It's another one that I feel is a good representation of like my life experience. Uh huh. Um, so I like seeing. I like seeing it. And on that note, on that scene specifically, I love that. Well, first, so I once dated a girl whose dad drove that same model of Porsche, and those things are sweet. Anyways, yeah. um, I love that he takes him to like this nice restaurant. And Steve-O orders a hot dog and chips. Or that's what he's eating. I just thought that was so funny. He's just screaming at that lady for staring at him, just making yeah. a scene. Oh, so funny. Um, before we move on to the next one, let's just take a quick break and uh, hear some ads for some other shows on the Fourth Hand Network. Yeah. Space the final frontier. These are the voyages of the waste vessel, the Black Swirl. It's ongoing mission to explore strange news stories, to seek out new laughs and new absurdity, to boldly go where no sci-fi podcast has gone before. Welcome to Close Encounters of the Slurred Kind. 
Hey, Blaze, come here a minute, man. Check this out. Yeah, what's up? Hey, look, I have an idea for our next Inhuman Experience ad. Cool. Let me see your computer. All right, check it out. See, right? No, wait, what the what? Oh! Wait, wait, wait. Hear me out. But, but my computer... I have a better idea. But what about my computer? First, I start with the movie trailer voice. Okay. Then, you say something funky. I can dig it. And then, I say... Check out The Inhuman Experience, a paranormal podcast with Bobby Anthem. That's me. And Bobby Blades. That's you. And then we say we do tons of extensive research. But we don't do any research. I know. I know. We lie. All right. False advertisement. That's cool. you say find us on Apple Podcasts, yeah. Stitcher, right. Google Play, there too. wherever podcasts are heard. Bada bing, bada bang, bada boom, ad is done. All right. I could dig it. I could dig it. But look, I have one question. What's up? Why did you have to smash? my computer all right all right good talk but wait but my computer let me know when you're ready to do the but what about my computer oh. and we're back with final kind of thoughts with the favorite parts and scenes i have three more jake i've got about three or four more as well the Go scene ahead. you know the scene in the well for yeah the scene in the uh the middle of like the salt flat yeah with the van and trish and bob and uh-huh. steve-o you can really tell in that scene without them really talking a whole lot about like Steve-O's beliefs or anything that his world is kind of crumbling. Yeah. Um, he's just very introspective in that scene. You know, Trish talks about, you know, the looking out over the vast emptiness. It's like you could get lost in it. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy that scene. You can just tell Steve-O's coming to terms with like Bob is moving into a different stage of his life with this woman that yeah. he loves and that, they're not going to be together anymore like they used to be. Yeah. Um, and that the season of life is changing and that he's kind of got to grow up with it. Mm-hmm. I really like that scene. And then he said a quote kind of around that area. He says, what do you do when your foundation falls apart? Yeah. And that's just, and I, for me that was very relatable because, you know, over the last few years I kind of went through a similar thing, but with kind of like with what I believe in with the religion stuff. And, you know, I, I kind of felt that like it, you know, as the way they would say it, that resonated with me. <laughs> yeah. The final party where Steve-O meets uh, Sandy. Uh-huh. Um, and the power... Brandy. Brandy, I'm sorry. I don't know why it says it says Sandy. Where Steve-O meets Brandy. And uh, just the power of someone brave enough to call you on your bull. Yeah. Um, that's not scared. I mean, she's very critical of him when they're sitting there on the couch. Yeah. Um, kind of how like he's trying to be this rebellious person, but he's wearing a uniform that's yep. the opposite of rebelling. Yeah. And that actually, you know, being normal, um, being himself would be the better. being himself would be more of an act of rebellion than this going out and buying blue hair dye type of thing. Yeah. I really enjoy that scene. Um, yeah, it was very, it was very well done. Yeah. Well written, well delivered, and. That, and that just kind of shows another part of his character growth because, you know, a previous iteration of him in the punk scene, he would immediately reject it, you know? Yeah. He'd, he'd and just that, be like, you know, that's not punk, what punk rock is, so F you. First of all, he's smitten by this pretty girl. Like immediately. Yeah. Immediately, yeah, you know. Um, and then she's got very much the type of personality that a person like Steve-O would find interesting and be accepting to listening to yeah where she's very upfront and true and real and not like trying to be nice about 
his stupid blue hair dye and dressing yeah. like a weirdo, you know. And then even when he says, so you, you wouldn't like a person like me, and she again says, no, that's not true. I'm just trying to, you know, present a, a, a point or whatever she says. Yeah, she's challenging his worldviews without, you know, directly, like, super insulting him, which is really good. It's a really good balance. And, and that's also another thing that, you know, he – that whole – section of the movie so first he didn't expect that he could get hurt by his situation with sandy you know like he knew that they were allowed to see other people and sleep with other people but he didn't realize that he could get hurt by it because he just didn't know that that's what would happen so that that rocked him and then you know he's what does he say when bob says that he uh that he loves trish and that he thinks salt lake is home yeah um and he he you know kind of berates bob about that which is a good scene and you it, you know everyone's been there where someone that you know you're confiding in or whatever doesn't doesn't agree with you or uh-huh. doesn't want to hear what you're saying yeah um kind of pushes back on you and it really kind of devastates you because you know in the whole movie bob is pretty pretty to his chest with a lot of stuff yeah uh, like even when they go visit his dad, like Steve-O in the scenes is very like, like I have no idea what to expect. Yeah. I, I've never seen this guy's dad and they have known each other since they were little kids, like, like you know, middle school high. for Bob. It's like Bob opens up to someone finally about these weird feelings that he's having and these kind of epiphanies he's having. And that person just threw it right back in his yeah. face. So, yeah, because he, he says Bob's a poser for having yeah. these feelings. And because, you know, him and his thing with Sandy, it's punk rock because they're not attached to each other. Yeah. Even though to, he is attached to Sandy, he just doesn't really realize yeah. the depths of that attachment. Yeah. And then it kind of comes back full circle that he also was caught off guard by the fact that he could meet a girl and, you know, have that love at first sight thing. You know, because the thing says, like, oh, I'm hers. You know, yeah, like that was it immediately, yeah. which yeah. is, which was, you know, it was just, it was just funny that he didn't expect that or not funny, but I thought it was good that he realized that he couldn't, that he never expected it and yeah. but he rolled with it. You know, I have one more, but I'm going to save it for that, for those new categories that you were talking about. Cause it probably fits those better. So, yeah. Um, so I have two more small things about favorite parts. Uh, just one about Mike, you know, he's going, to college to be a botanist to learn to save the rainforest. Uh, yeah. Jason Siegel's character in How I Met Your Mother, Marshall Erickson, is an environmental lawyer. Like oh, he went to law school, uh, and he is doing his best to be a, a, a lawyer that you know sues all these companies that are harming the environment. I love in that scene where he says that he wants to save the rainforest. He gets really pissed and punches the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Then I had another one where I said I think it's ha- absolutely hilarious that they were D and D nerds before becoming punks. Yep. Being a being a true D and D person is probably way more punk rock than actually listening to punk music because that's oh, yeah. that's that you know it's a popular thing, but it's actually way more of a niche thing that society you know doesn't like. It's not something people do a ton of. You know, a lot of yeah. people play D and D, but it's not like you're going to go to a, you know, club or something out in you in the downtown, whatever city you lay, you're going to play D and D or whatever. You have more of a chance of walking into a club or a bar or something and hearing a 
black flag song when you do of having any D and D reference in the area. Yeah. So then, pl- yeah, then being, you know, D and D people, um, uh, at the first limit, at the end of the movie is very funny. Yeah. So that was it for a favorite parts and lines for me. All right. So let's just go ahead and do intro the categories that you wanted to add for this week. So I just, I had some topics that didn't really fit into dislikes or favorite parts because I just wrote initial thoughts of the movie and specific scenes. And then I wrote down, oof, a handful of pills with all that booze is a lethal combination. And I turned out to be right. And that's in that part, you know, where Bob dies, it breaks the last pillar, which was the first pillar of his punk rock foundation that Steve-O had built his young adult life around. Yeah, and that was like the final, the final thing that was keeping him into the punk rock scene was Bob because he's the one who got him into it. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I kind of said something similar. I said the scene where Bob ODs uh, Lillard's performance and finding his friend like that and <sighs> saying the the I'm not I wasn't ready for this type of thing and so good. Uh, who's gonna be my friend now and and all sorts of things like that. You, yeah, I mean, it's like you're saying, it's just that last pillar being knocked out of his yeah. life. Uh, and then, like, they don't even, they, they don't address it or anything, but the next scene that you see him in, he's just shaved head, no see? more hair color. Yeah. You know, it's just over. Yeah. But, dude, that scene, like, I almost cried at that scene. That was so well done. Yeah. It's a very sad scene. Yeah. Um, I feel like your reaction is what a lot of people say, but I mean, it's, it's intention, you know? Oh, um, exactly. Yeah. This movie has been building up to this point um, yeah. where something was going to happen to finally obliterate his worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just happened to be Bob overdosing on Percodin, I think is what they said. Yeah. Percodin like and that. alcohol. Then I wrote, I wrote, this is actually a previous point. It's like, I, I like his arc where he's all about anarchy and eventually starts to see that punk was a lifestyle that he could grow out of or get sick of. And also that, that punk rock is not in and of itself in society. Like it is shown in this movie. It's not anarchist at all. Mm-mm. It's corporate. Yeah. Punk, punk rock is very corporate Yeah. nowadays. Um, so, and even back then by the, I mean in the eighties or the seventies, it was pretty fringe. Yeah. Uh, when the Velvet Underground stuff was happening and the Sex Pistols, very fringe. No one had ever heard of it, but it was it blew up. Yeah. By eighty by eighty five, it was very much very well corporate. You know, it was mainstream. Um, punk rock was not this fringe anarch anarchist type of music anymore. Um, it it was just it was forefront in a lot of things. And you know what's really funny is about is that, like I knew kids that were like in high school that would wear all that like the punk stuff like the super spiky hair or the crazy mohawks or all the leather jackets with the studs on it. And when Brandy said that you're just putting on a uniform, and I was just like, that's so true. Like yeah, even those kids that were I, when I went to high school, like they were doing the same thing. They they were trying to be anti-establishment, anti-punk. But they were still buying into the established, quote, rules, unquote, of being an anarchist punk type. Yeah. You had to you had to have the studs on everything. You had to have crazy colored hair. 
You yeah. had to wear, you had to wear combat boots. Yeah, you had um, to listen to No Effects all the time. Yeah, I love No Effects though. Don't don't. I'm don't not. Hate I'm not. No I was just don't an example. Jake. Don't be hating Jake. Okay, but they were just like <laughs> when I was in high school. Like they were like a big. It was a patch that I saw in everything or uh, yeah. an, anti flag or whomever else. There's probably yeah. a lot. Anyways, yeah, I don't. That's just you know, something I had thought of, but that kind of just kind of took me back to two thousand, the early two thousands when I was in high school. Yeah. Our next category w- is: um, Would you recommend this movie to a friend, Jake? Would you do that? It depends on the friend, because uh, I know some people just they they couldn't relate to this movie at all. But yeah. it would just be very strategic in who I recommended it to. It just really depends. I'd have to, you know, I wouldn't just go around being like, hey, watch this movie. You'll get it. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I said sure. I said it's a good movie. It's got fun, exciting scenes. There's good comedy in it. And the yeah. character arcs are really, really nice. Yeah. Um, but like you said, I mean, I would recommend this to people that are, you know, around my age. Um, listen to this are aware of the punk rock thing uh-huh. because there's a lot of there's a lot of language in this movie. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of stupid stupid gatekeepy stuff and a lot of people just aren't going to understand that or care about it. Yeah. So, yeah, I would it would probably be it would be a recommend for people that I would know that hadn't seen it that would like it. I wouldn't just recommend it to anybody. Yeah. I would I liked it, so I would definitely would recommend it. Does it hold up in 2020? Well, I think there, aside from the era that it's based in, there are many things that do. Like we said, the, the guy, the people at the Wyoming store, liquor store, um, a lot of those things are still the way people act today. And I mean, a lot of those, yeah, I mean, I'd say it holds up um, for the most part. Yeah, I said some of it does and some of it doesn't. There's yeah. There's some language in this movie that's used. I said that some of it does and some of it doesn't. I yeah, said some yeah, yeah. Of, I think some of the language that's used is not great. There's derogatory slurs for uh, different types of people in this movie that aren't awesome. Okay. Um, yeah, def- I, I feel you on that, definitely. Yeah, uh, but punk rock music, um, it's very much still mainstream. Mm-hmm. And with the fans of a lot of, of punk music, think that it's not mainstream or it's this fringe niche thing yeah so it gets you get a lot of real gatekeeping poser-esque people in it Mm -hmm. that that really like recently i don't know if you've seen the video um but machine gun kelly was on a podcast on spotify and he talks about that how the world needs rock stars and these rock stars you know, they need to have some FU in them. He needs to see more FU in rock and roll. And he says, I was on Warp Tour, and all these lead singers of these bands were out there wearing comfortable shoes. Like, what is that? You need to be wearing, like, Doc Markins or Chucks. All these guys are wearing their <laughs> Nike comfortable shoes. I hated their feet. Like, and like, he's saying all this That's when he so goes, he, he, tours, he tours on a giant. Because uh, he was on Warp Tour, and there's been guys in bands that were on that Warp Tour with him that said he had one of the biggest buses on the whole tour oh to gosh. himself. His oh crew my. followed. His crew followed behind him. What? Yeah, and he was in this big bus by himself, talking about you know. And now he's out here saying that, you know, these people need to be uh, that rock and roll's uncomfortable. You need to be uncomfortable. 
Speaking of Machine Gun Kelly, I looked up the sequel that came out in 2014 or something like that. I've seen it. It's, he's it's in terrible. it. Yeah, it's a terrible movie. Like, he's in that movie. Like, uh, Heroin Bob, it's about Heroin Bob watching... Um, his son. His son from this black void. It's like the opposite of the Matrix. Yeah. But he's just... It's the same guy, but he's just he's got a really bad bald cap mohawk cap on mm-hmm. and he's just screaming at the scene at the camera the whole time. Yeah. I read the premise of the or the plot of the second one. I'm like, "Yeah." Yeah, but the fact that, you know, punk rock super mainstream and that there's gatekeepers that want to make people that want to try to get into it feel bad about trying to get into it. Yeah. Um, still being around, so I think that aspect of this movie is still very well alive today rewatchability i said i don't watch this movie very often rewatch it very often because it is it's a downer movie yeah um it kind of leaves you sad at the end uh even though you know he's talking about he's a lawyer now and things kind of he's kind of telling you where he where he's at in in life now but um uh, but i've seen it a bunch because we used to watch it in high school a lot mm-hmm. Uh, but I totally understand, like, if you never, ever wanted to watch this movie again. Like, I understand yeah. that aspect of the movie. Like, it's just a hard, it's it's a downer movie. For some people, it's a one-and-done type of thing. Um, but, you know, and the thing is, like, I'll turn it on and I'll watch, like, half of it and turn it off uh-huh. kind of thing. I don't watch it all the way through all the time. But, I've, you know, um, it's got some rewatchability. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't mind rewatching it. I mean, it's a good one. I almost watched it twice just to make sure I got everything, but I feel like I, I wrote down a full page of stuff, so I didn't need to. Yeah, there's there's a lot of talking in this movie. So some fun facts. Um, we're going to kind of fly through these because yeah. we're a little long today. Um, That's all right. Chris the Doom Hippie. Yeah. That has a, his sister offer medications and stuff. That is the dude in Superbad. In the cocaine room, when <laughs> when Michael Sarah is singing these eyes, really? he takes that big hit of cocaine and goes wow wow. It's that guy. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, um, super bad. In this movie, are the only things I've ever seen him in. Interesting. Uh, Brandy is played by Summer Phoenix and is the younger sister of Joaquin Phoenix. Interesting. Youngest sister. She's the okay. youngest of the the Phoenix children. The the girl who plays Trish plays Ben Wyatt's sister in Parks and Recreation. Okay. I mean, she just she's in one episode. That's the only yeah, that's, cause that's the only place I knew her from. Cause I like, could have never have told you that. I've only ever seen that show one time all the way through. Cause I I saw her. I'm like, how do I know who she is? But obviously, yeah. this was 20 years. Tw- you know, this movie was like 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, the band in the movie known as ECP or Extreme Corporal Punishment is actually a punk band called Eight Bucks, Eight, Eight Bucks Experiment. Hmm. Ne- never heard of them. Insane. Um, I wonder if that song's theirs in real life. If so, wouldn't be into it probably. When the boy in the mall flips off the camera and says "Anarchy in the UK," yeah. The voice is actually the director James <laughs> Maradino, uh, dubbing over it because. He felt that the boy didn't say it right. Why not just redo just have it? him do another? Do yeah, another just have song. him do another take. 
maybe he did, and it was just all of them they were just, so he bad. He just couldn't get a good, like, a good reading gonna, out of the guy. I'm just going to A&R this one, guy. Don't worry about it. That happens a lot. Matthew Lillard's character, Steve-O, was originally um, supposed to have bleach blonde hair. However, when getting the bleach job done, the peroxide burned Lillard's scalp, leaving a hideous mess. <sighs> so dyeing the hair blue was a way of hiding that. That sucks. But I like the blue. It worked better. He's a very pale dude anyways. I think yeah. the, the bleach hair would have been too much. Towards the end of the movie, Steve-O wears a jacket that has a badge on it that reads, God is an American, which is a line from a popular David Bowie song called I Am Afraid of Americans. <laughs> Never heard That's it. A, it's a rational fear, David Bowie. I understand, man. <laughs> um, Christopher McDonald, uh, Shooter McGavin. Yeah. Is only 15 years older than his on-screen son, Matthew Lillard. Jeez. And then the DVD commentary, Matthew Lillard states that he could only do the scene where he finds Bob's body alone. And that the inspiration for him crying, that his crying reaction was due to conjuring up memories of his father. Interesting. So I don't know if that means his father's, you know, passed away or if he just doesn't have a good relationship with him. Yeah, either way, he, he delivered such a good performance for that. Like, it was just so good. Yeah. Um, I couldn't find any casting ones, so um, there was right. nothing. So we'll skip that one this week. Uh, do you have any other fun facts, Jake? Not really. Other than just the fact that, you know, this was right before Jason Siegel's career just took off. Yeah. That is it this week for SLC Punk. Good recommendation, by the way. I was severely impressed I, once it started rolling on. Yeah, it's a good movie. Do you have a movie for next week, Jake? Okay, I'm going to give you an option. Do you want a a Jim Carrey romantic comedy movie, or do you want a classic movie from the 80s? Let's do classic movie from the 80s since we've already had one Jim Carrey one recently. Okay, so we're going to throw it back to 1987 with The Untouchables. It's kind of a, a movie set during the Prohibition era, and I think... It's got some good, good actors in there. You know, it's got is that a young... the one with with Sylvester Stallone and all the guys. The big action movie. That no, that is the uh, un <laughs> the uh, I don't even remember what are those movies called. The, the Unwatchables. Dude. <laughs> oh gosh. Um. So even... yeah. So for sure, we'll watch the Untouchables. Yes, next it's, week. It's a good one. As far as what you can do for us, if you enjoy this podcast. Um, give us a hop on Apple podcast and give us a five star rating and a comment. You know, the higher, you know, more ratings we get, we get different placement and stuff on the recommends when you type in and look up podcasts. Um, the comments, you know, it would just be cool to see what you guys think, what you think we could do different. You know, we would enjoy that type of stuff. Uh, we're on, you know, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. On uh, on Twitter, we're seeing this. Have you? On Instagram, we are uh, HYST Podcast. And on um, Facebook, we're HYST Podcast. My personal Twitter account is Ethan Tyler Wilson with no E and Tyler. And it's the same on Instagram. And you can find me at J A E K S P E N C E R on both Instagram and Twitter. And feel free to just shoot us movie recommendations. You know, even if it's one that neither of us have seen, it'd still be good. Yes, and uh, again, uh, plenty of shows on the Fourth Hand Network. We got uh, Hysteria 51. We have um, 
a very Brady podcast, uh, Happy Horror, uh, Coffee Break, um, The Inhuman Experience, and many, many more. So check those out if you like what you hear here. Uh, and until next week, I'm Ethan Wilson. I'm Jake Spencer. Have a good week. Bye. You've been listening to a fourth hand joint.